In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, um, we had spoken last time about the theological, the catechetical school of Alexandria, and how St. Mark established this school uh, in Egypt to provide a means of spiritual and Christian education to the, the, the Egyptians, uh, because there was already um, a secular school that existed in Egypt, and it was very popular, and many of the people who were in Egypt were very philosophical and Greeks and so on, and so he established this school as a way to attract people to, uh, to, to a Christian education, and it taught not only the spiritual subjects and the religious subjects, but it taught, it taught all of the subjects. Um, today we're going to start by speaking about some of the famous characters that um, lived around this time period. Um, the first one is St. Clement of Alexandria. Um, he was born in 150 AD to pagan parents, and he was a student of um, many different teachers. He converted to Christianity and became Pantinus' disciple. Pantinus is one of the deans of the school of Alexandria. Um, and then finally, he um, uh, uh, became dean of the school of, uh, of Alexandria after the death of Pantinus. He was uh, ordained a priest in, uh, in Alexandria, and he succeeded in harmonizing the Hellenic philosophy and the Christian teachings. So remember, there was a big emphasis on philosophy, apologetics, and so St. Clement was able to, to, to bring the two together and present kind of an, an apologetic and logical, rational perspective on the Christian um, subjects. Um, among his students were Origen and Bishop Alexander of Jerusalem, and he succeeded to convert um, uh, many Alexandrians to Christianity and even to um, martyrs. Uh, another very famous character that we read about in this time is Origen. Um, we mentioned him before. He was born of uh, Christian parents at 185 AD, um, and his father played a great role in his life. He excelled in various sciences and memorized the majority of biblical texts from a young age. He wished to be martyred like his father, but his wish did not come to completion. He was appointed as a, the dean of the School of Alexandria by Pope Demetrius at the age of 18. He was only 18 years old when he became the dean of the school. He was very um, intelligent. Um, he became a teacher, uh, and also uh, 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 in the evening he was at the School of Philosophy. He accepted ordination to priesthood. Um, by, by, by bishops in a different area outside of his diocese, the Bishop of Caesarea Palestine and Jerusalem, at the age of 43. And because of this, Pope Demetrius, because he accepted priesthood outside um, of Egypt, he was excommunicated. Because this, um, he was not allowed to be ordained outside of his, uh, his bishop's jurisdiction. So when he went and he accepted ordination of priesthood there, he was excommunicated by the Pope, um, and also, um, we had mentioned before that he had several theological heresies. All of the heresies, even though Origen wrote, you know, many, many, many books, but out of all of the books that he wrote, there was one book that was filled with all kinds of heresies, and there was some contention as to whether these thoughts were actually his own or whether one of the scribes that was writing um, actually had written these things down um, that wasn't coming from him directly. But as a result of heresies and a result of what he did, um, he, he was excommunicated. That's why like, we, we read his writings and we, um, you know, we, we learn a lot from his writings, but we don't consider him a saint. We, we call him a scholar, someone who contributed a lot to the work of the church, but not, um, not, not considered to be a saint. 
Another important character that we read about is Didymus the Blind. He was born in Alexandria in 312 AD. He lost his sight at the age of four, um, but his disability did not deter him for developing the visions of the mind and soul. He succeeded in mastering the whole gamut of sciences, um, grammar, rhetoric, poetry, philosophy, mathematics, and music. In addition to the ecclesiastical subjects, he was able to recite the Old and New Testament. Um, and so even though he was blind, um, and actually in modern day, the school of the cantors, so the, there's kind of a position called the cantor. The cantor is like a full-time professional deacon that serves in the church to lead the liturgy and to chant all of the hymns. And many of the cantors are blind. Um, they learn all of the hymns uh, by memory, and they can tell you, they, you can, they can chant any hymn just by memory without even having to see. And so the name of that school is Didymus the Blind, like St. Didymus the Blind, um, as a commemoration um, to him. So the next section we want to speak about is martyrdom. Um, the idea of martyrdom is something very, very uh, intrinsic to the Christian understanding. We are called to suffer with Christ. And we see that, especially in the, the all throughout the centuries in the history of the Coptic Church, we see there is a big emphasis on um, martyrdom because we see many, many people who are clinging to the faith and hold to it very strongly despite persecution, despite attacks um, on them. So this idea of suffering, right, is that we are suffering for the sake of love. We are suffering for the sake of love. That the Lord said that if we were to be faithful in our walk with him, that, that we would experience some kind of persecution. And that persecution comes in many forms, you know. Maybe nowadays in our country here, the types of persecution that we experience is not necessarily the violent kind of persecution where people are trying to kill us, but it's more of a social persecution. It's a persecution of being um, rejected. It's a, it's a persecution of being um, kind of spoken badly about and pressured to accept certain ideas from the secular world that we reject. Okay? And this is increasing. Okay? But at the time, the idea of someone who is declaring themselves to be Christian, they would be physically killed. Okay? And, and the, the, the martyrs were offering themselves as a sacrifice for the sake of the love of Christ. And this is something that we learn from our church um, all throughout the centuries, and especially we can see that like when we read the Synexarian of every day, there are entries in the Synexarian that speak about the, those who were martyred that day, or a commemoration of their martyrdom, that we are remembering them, and we are seeing how much their faith is what helped to build the church and to keep it for us up until this day. So we are suffering with the Lord, in Philippians 1.29, it says, To you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. And this is a test of love. You know, It's easy for us to say that we love the Lord, but what we really want, what we really mean is, we love the Lord because he gives us what we want. We love the Lord because he blesses us. We love the Lord because he gives us salvation. We love the Lord for all the benefits that he gives us. But the true test of love is, are we willing to sacrifice for him? This is the love. It is not a love of, we love him as Santa Claus, but we love him because of what we are willing to sacrifice and to give up for him. And as I said, there will be persecution. St. Paul said to St. Timothy um, in this, his second epistle, he said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
So this is something that we always have to keep in our mind and something that the early church always reminds us of is that we are constantly called to some kind of martyrdom. And that martyrdom doesn't, again, have to be physical martyrdom. Part of this persecution as well is the persecution of remaining holy in the midst of a godless world. This is a persecution. And this is a kind of martyrdom that we are suffering to remain holy. That when the Lord calls us to a certain standard of righteousness and holiness, and then we look at the world around us, which is so contrary and opposite to that standard, how is it that we maintain our standard? How is it that we maintain a level of holiness, of obedience, of submission, you know, of purity in the midst of the darkness of the world around us? This is so difficult right and so we are like sacrificing ourselves in this we are giving up ourselves we are giving up our pleasures we are giving up many activities that would otherwise be okay if it weren't for the 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 the, the godlessness that is found in it right so we are called to live in this standard the word martyr which in greek is martyros means witness someone who loved christ witnessed for him and was killed because of their faith. And it's interesting that the word witness is the same word that we use, like for instance, like let's say in a trial, you call witnesses to the trial. These are people who have observed with their own eyes something, and they are coming to witness. They are coming to describe what it is that they have seen with their own eyes. So the idea of the martyrs, and one of the reasons we call them martyrs or witnesses, is because they witness truly the love of God in their own life, they witness truly what it means to be um, uh, a servant of God, a child of God. The, the relationship between them and God is so strong and so real that they see it before their eyes that when anyone comes and tells them to deny this, they cannot because it is so clear. They are not wavering at all in their faith. They are not denying the Lord because the Lord is ever present before them because they witness him. And because they witness him, they are martyrs because they are witnesses. Martyrs are honored in heaven, and the church, when we, um, when we, you know, list the ranks of the of the of the people, the martyrs are always the very first. You know, everything in the church happens in a certain order. Like whenever we are chanting like a hymn of commemoration to the saints, the first group of people that we commemorate is the martyrs, right? Because they're the ones who shed their blood for Christ, and and when traditionally. Whenever there is uh, a church that is built and there's an altar, that they would put the relics of the, of the martyrs under the altar, just as in the book of Revelation, when, um, when St. John sees in his vision that the, the, the blood of the martyrs, the martyrs are like under the altar. Okay, So we, ce we celebrate the feast of, of the martyrdom of the saints. Since the 5th century... There were 10 great persecutions under Roman emperors. And here are the, the, the emperors that were extremely brutal toward the Christians. These are not all the emperors in order. These are the ones that uh, had very, very uh, brutal persecution against Christianity. Some of these might be familiar to us, and we hear their names often when we read the Synexarian in church, like Nero, Domitian, Trajan. We read about Decius, Valerian, Diocletian. We hear about all the time. These are the, the, the Roman emperors that were great sources of persecution and martyrdom to the Coptic church. Here are some of the busts that you can see of like, um, that were made of, of some of these emperors. What were the reasons for persecution in Egypt? The first was 
the success of the Church of Alexandria and its catechetical school in attracting uh, even philosophers to the new faith. Paganism and Christianity were at odds with one another. Of course, the Roman Empire was pagan. They were polytheists, okay? And they, they hated monotheism, and they hated Christianity. And they tried to persecute and blot it out even from the very beginning, actually even from the time of Christ. So, so there was this uh, extreme hatred by the Roman Empire to Christianity. And so as Egypt is beginning to flourish in Christianity, and they see that Christianity is growing in Egypt, the persecution from the Roman Empire on Egypt continues to increase. So the more there was the Church of Alexandria was successful, and the more that this theological school of Alexandria was successful, even converting the Romans, even converting the Gentiles, even converting the philosophers to Christianity, there was more and more hatred toward the church. Also, the Romans wanted to avoid a revolution that could stop providing Rome with Egyptian products. So as long as Egypt was part of the Roman Empire and part of the Roman system, and, and, and then, then they would expect that Egypt would provide goods and services to the Roman Empire. But the idea of the flourishing of the church, they felt like the, the, these people are no longer pagan, they're no longer under our system, and there's going to be financial consequences as well to the Christianization of Egypt. Another reason for the persecution was the courage of the cops and their sincere desire to attain the crowns of martyrdom, which perplexed the persecutors. You know, the, the, the Romans would come and they would offer gifts and rewards and all kinds of attractive things and money to those people who would be willing to uh, renounce their faith and, 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 and offer incense to the idols. And we read this so often when we read the Synexarian. But the, the cops would not do so. And the, the Romans didn't understand. The only, the only way that they had to get them to change is either to convert them by force or to convert them by offering them something attractive. And yet, whether by force or whether by offering them something that was attractive, like money or so on, they refused. They refused to turn from their faith. The cops, the persecution was so, so severe that the cops started their calendar by the beginning of the reign of Diocletian, the most tyrant in 284 AD, calling it Anno Martyri. So the Coptic calendar, does anyone know what the Coptic year is now? What is the Coptic year? No, what is it? Huh? 2021 minus 284, which is what? Huh? 17-something. It's the 18th century of the Anno Martyri year. So this year is 1738, okay? Because the Coptic calendar starts with the year 284, which was marked by a year of very, very severe persecution and martyrdom. That's why the church decided to start the calendar at this time. And so the, you know, like A.D., when you say in A.D. in the Gregorian calendar, it stands for what? Hmm? It says for Eno. Hmm? Yeah, okay, which means the year of our Lord, okay? So, 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 so A.D. is year of our Lord, which is starting from the birth of Christ with year zero. Here we are starting year zero with the year of the martyrs, okay? And this is what the church, um, uh, what the church practices. Tertullian said, if the martyrs throughout the world were to be put on one side of the scale and the Coptic martyrs alone on the other side of the scale, the latter would outweigh the former. 
That's how much the, the martyrdom and the church was. You know, we when we read about the martyrs, we are about the martyrs that we, we know about, like the famous ones, right? But the number of martyrs in the church is far, 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 far greater than the ones we even know their names. Most of the martyrs, we don't even know who they are, right? Because they were killed, like an entire village at a time would be killed, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't just individual cases of martyrdom and persecution. It would be en masse destruction and, and killing and persecution of the cops. So the, the church is, we call it the church of martyrs, because one, there was many, many martyrs, and two, the strong faith of the cops to stand up against the persecution. All of these cops were given the opportunity to convert. They were given the opportunity to offer incense to the idols, right? And again, as I said, whether by force or whether by, um, by bribery, they refused, right? So this is why we call the church the church of martyrs. When prevented from worshiping in the churches, because oftentimes they would destroy the churches or close the churches or prevent the people from going to the churches, they did not flee. They worshiped openly and fearlessly even in the fields, even when there was no church available to them. The women and the children, they were no less courageous. The Roman emperor Septimius Severus and Diocletian visited Egypt to increase the persecution. Many spiritual leaders devoted themselves to strengthen the martyrs and confessors, and as eyewitnesses, they wrote their biography and preserved their relics. So there is many of the martyrs themselves, prior to their martyrdom, they, they would be kind of called to write the stories of the saints. There's a famous one. His name is St. Julius. St. Julius, God would reveal to him whenever there was someone that was going to be martyred, and he would tell him, go to this person before their martyrdom and write down their story. This is how actually we have many of the stories in the Synexterian, the stories that are written. How do we even know that these things happen? We know because God had actually told some of the people that certain people would be martyred, and he wants their story recorded. They would go and record their story. Here's some other images of Diocletian and Sept uh, Septimius Severus. Diocletian, which was the last one in the list of the emperors that I showed you, which was corresponding to the beginning of the Coptic calendar because of the, the great persecutions that was there. So in about the year 297-298, Diocletian ordered all the soldiers and administrators to offer sacrifices to the gods, and anyone who refused to do so will be immediately dismissed. And on February 303 AD, another edict was issued and posted on the walls of the palace, ordering the destruction of all churches and scriptures within the entire Roman Empire. So the great church of Nicomedia, which was built on a hill facing the palace, was destroyed. Persecution became more intense after the palace was burned twice within a two-week period. So some people um, believe that the, the Christians were framed for the burning of the, the, the Roman palace, okay, in order to incite more persecution against the Christians. Some historians say that this was done by Galerius. Galerius will eventually become a future emperor after um, Diocletian. So some people say that Galerius, because he wanted to increase the persecution on the Christians, he, he, he burned the palace himself and then blamed it on the Christians so that the persecution against them would increase. So there was two more edicts that followed persecution toward the Christian. All Christian clergy were to be thrown in prison and to be released only after offering sacrifice to the Roman gods and that they would be renounced 
in order for them, uh, sorry, they would be tortured in order for them to renounce their faith. On 303 AD, a fourth edict was issued to wipe out Christianity from the entire world, ordering all Christians to worship the Roman gods or face execution. So this idea of the rising of Christianity in the Roman Empire was a big problem for the Romans. And they tried the best that they could to quell it, again, by those two ways, by, by aggression and force, and also by, um, by offering rewards and gifts. Diocletian played his role in this last persecution for only two years and two months. Maximinius Daza, Caesar of Egypt and Syria, sustained the persecution started by Diocletian. His reign was the most prolific in bloodshed of any period in the whole history of the church's persecutions. The martyrs of his reign were usually attributed to the Diocletian persecution. So you see very, very intense persecution um, at this time. Here are some of the famous martyrs. We hear their names. Um, for instance, we hear uh, Tadros Shadbi, which is Tadros of Shadb. We hear uh, about the priest Abaklog. He's a famous martyr. We hear about St. Rebecca. Actually, we have her icon uh, in the back there, St. Rebecca, um, and her five children. St. Demiana, St. Dioscoros, St. Ebenub. He was, a he was a child uh, at the time of his martyrdom. And like I said, there was entire cities that were, they were all destroyed in this martyrdom. Echmim, Esna, and Sena. All of these were, were destroyed. So uh, you'll hear a lot of these names. I just wanted to mention the names here. So you're kind of, whenever you hear these names, when we read the Synexarian or otherwise, you associate them with this time period, okay? This is the time when there was very, very severe um, martyrdom in the church. So if we look at this period of, of martyrdom, we see that there was a very, very pure and sacred desire to be with the Lord. There was courage from the Christians. This actually became a way of spreading Christianity because people, once they see that all of these people were willing to die for their faith, they'd become a testament and a witness to the truth of the Christian faith. Why would all these people be willing to give up their lives if this was a lie, if this was a fabrication? These people believed it so strongly that they gave up all of their families, they gave everything. St. Rebecca, actually, they martyred all of her children in front of her in order for her to renounce the faith, and she refused to renounce it. And instead, she encouraged her children to accept the martyrdom with faithfulness. Um, I wish actually that a lot of the, the, the saint movies um, that are available would be available in English. Unfortunately, they're all in Arabic. Um, but but when, you, when, you, when you see some of the stories you know, played out, it's a very powerful testament to their faith and courage. Um, they declared the Christian virtues. Um, they did not revenge. You know, the Christians did not, like th those who killed their families and killed them, you know, th the Christians did not revenge and try to go and attack their persecutors. Um, and this became a motive to protect the Orthodox faith and eventually an initiator of monasticism. And why is that? Because after this period of time, when King Constantine ended up becoming the emperor of the Roman Empire, he declared Christianity to be lawful and actually like the official religion. So for the first time, the, the persecutions that were very, very intense, they stopped because, because Christianity became a lawful religion. And actually, this is what we celebrate when we, when we celebrate um, the, the Feast of the Cross. We speak about how the, the, the doors of the temples were closed and the doors of the churches were open because all the churches that had been closed now became open again. So what, what began to happen is the people that 
had, had wanted to offer themselves as a sacrifice. The people who willingly wanted to be persecuted and martyred for the sake of Christ because of their love for him, now that this avenue was closed to them, there was, there was no persecution at that time, they chose to sacrifice themselves in a spiritual way. This is actually when the monastic movement began. Prior to this, there was not really a monastic movement. The monasticism began when the persecutions ended and the people felt like they wanted to offer all that they were to Christ, so they would give up all their possessions, they would give up their career, they would give up their families, they would give up their life, and they would go into the wilderness and spend their entire life in asceticism and prayer. And so it was like a voluntary persecution. It was like a way of them denying themselves and, 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 and suffering for the Lord in this way, as opposed to it being something compulsory against them that someone is coming to attack them. So we'll talk about more of this later on, but the idea of the rise of monasticism was um, this period of martyrdom followed by a period of peace when the martyrdom had ended. The outcome of the persecutions. So we read in 2 Thessalonians, we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is the right, it is righteous thing with God to reply with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So even St. Paul, when he was speaking to the Thessalonians here, he's speaking about that they will endure persecutions and tribulations, and this will be the manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that they may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. So martyrdom was seen as a means of salvation for them, and people would run after martyrdom. Like there would be people who, like, would run into the streets, like when they see that there is like martyrdom happening and the Christians are being killed, there will be people that will run into the streets proclaiming that I'm Christian, like, 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 because when the people find out that they're Christian, they're going to be killed as well. So this was seen as something like, like a glory that was given to God by the people sacrificing themselves for him. If you look at what ended up happening, to all of those emperors, all of those people who were the persecutors, they all ended with a very brutal and painful and miserable death. And you see that God is like protecting the church and giving punishment to the persecutors as a result of what they did. What are the things that happened to some of these emperors? Nero, he was removed from his authority at the height of his empire at age 32. And then he suddenly disappeared. Many people believe he committed suicide, and we don't even know where he is buried. Domitian was delivered to his enemies and murdered in his own palace. Decius was slain by the barbarians, together with his son and a great part of his army. He was not honored with the rites of burial, but he was devoured by wild beasts and birds. Valerian was imprisoned by the Persians in the vilest condition of slavery, and he was flayed and his skin stripped from his flesh was dyed with vermilion and placed in their temple in remembrance of their triumph. Aurelian was assassinated by his friends before his bloody edicts had, the most distant, uh, had reached the most distant provinces. 
Diocletian lived to see a disgrace which no former emperor had ever seen, and he fell into madness and resolved to die. Tossing to and fro, with a soul agitated by grief, he could neither eat nor take rest. He sighed, groaned, and wept often. He lost both sight and mind and killed himself in the same year of the Milan, uh, Milan Edict. The Milan Edict is the edict that's, that King Constantine um, passed to make uh, Christianity uh, a lawful religion. And Maximianus, Heraclius, he committed suicide. Galerius, he's suddenly overcome by a serious disease. First, his genitals suffered a severe inflammation, followed by the growth of a deep ulcer, which was soon befallen by worms and began to swell and rot on his body. Um, and Maximinius Dia, his army was utterly defeated by Licinius. He escaped the slaughter and disguised himself as a slave. So you see that all those people who persecuted, um, uh, the Christians, they all suffered a horrible and miserable death themselves. Then finally came King Constantine after this, and he became the first Christian Roman emperor, and his reign became a turning point for the Christian church. In 313, he announced with Licinius um, of the toleration of Christianity in the Edict of Milan, which removed penalties for professing Christianity and returned confiscated church properties. A similar edict had been issued in 311 by Galerius, then senior emperor of the Tetrarchy. However, because of his illness and Constantine's lengthy rule, conversion and patronage of the church redefined the status of Christianity in the empire. So the idea that um, all of the, 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 the Roman Empire begin to accept Christianity, uh, not just as tolerated, but even the emperor himself became Christian. And this is why we celebrate King Constantine and his mother, Queen Helen, as being the ones who really began to usher into like a golden era of Christianity where um, uh, Christianity became um, like uh, tolerated and allowed and persecution ceased for a period of time um, under the Romans. So um, this is a good stopping point for today. Um, next time, we'll continue to talk about what happened after this. And as I said, monasticism will become into focus because we will see how people chose um, voluntarily to leave the world and to suffer for the sake of Christ through a, a life of asceticism and um, an and isolation away from the world. Do you have any questions or comments before we conclude? Yes. Yes. So I, I think there were Christians spread all throughout, but maybe the cops were the most, um, or one of the most, um, like resilient to the persecution, like not not accepting the terms that were offered to them, um, either to convert convert by coercion or to accept the bribes and to accept the the gifts that they were being offered. And we're going to see this actually even more than this whenever the um, the Islamic invasion happens. Because in the Islamic invasion, now the persecutors are actually take over the country and they're living with them in the country and the, t the persecution actually increases even more. And so the, 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 the cops continue to maintain their faithfulness even while they're being occupied by this foreign force. Um, so I, I believe that's, it's really the, the, the faith and the, of the cops that, that kept them from giving in to all of the persecution. Yes. Uh, so, so that was like uh, maybe around the year like 50 to 60 AD, something like that, I believe.
You mean in wherever he preached? Yeah, I mean, it's... So definitely Egypt, definitely Egypt, um, you know, there was a large number of people that all converted to Christianity, but they didn't all convert immediately. It took a little bit of time because in the life of St. Mark himself, we said St. Mark um, was martyred in the around 60 A.D. or so, and because he came in 43 A.D. So so even by the time he was martyred, like 10 to 20 years later, um, there he was martyred. There still was not a universal acceptance of Christianity at the time. But over time, more and more accepted until everyone believed the majority religion became Christianity at the time. So I, I, I guess I'm not sure exactly, but I think definitely at one point the, the concentration of Christians in Egypt, such a large country, was, was a lot of Christians as compared to maybe some of the other places where there was still a lot of Greeks and Jews. Yeah. Gentiles. Any other questions? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day, and for allowing us to learn and understand about the history of our blessed church. Help us to see, O God, how many people gave up their lives, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, for the sake of the faith. We trust, and Lord, O Lord, and know that you are with us, and that you protect us from all the attacks and all of the forces around us that seek to destroy us and seek to undermine our message of salvation. Help us, O Lord, to remain faithful in the midst of this wicked and perverse generation and instead to be a light that brings salvation to the world around us. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us as they our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.